Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski. Today we're going to be talking about short-term bill yield rates and where they are relative to the Federal Reserve's targets. And of course, that that means there's a problem in collateral, collateral shortage, collateral scarcity. Jeff, we're going to be talking about an article here. I want you to tell the audience, what's the main thesis? What are we going to tell the audience to look for? Well, since we don't have any direct way to observe the collateral system, and it is a system and it's a very complex system. We've talked about this many times before about how there's a multiplier, how there's reuse, repledging, rehypothecation, all sorts of things. And because of economists and central bankers have dropped the ball and dropped the ball decades ago, we really don't have any way to directly assess what's going on in this most crucial key aspect of the global monetary system. So we're left sort of trying to tease out details in various ways that uh, we possibly can, you know, trying to figure out what must be going on because of how things are acting and reacting all across the financial system, as well as various markets. And one of the most maybe straightforward ways is to just look at a treasury bill yield and compare it to an alternative, something like the Federal Reserve's reverse repo rate, for example, or even IOER, if you're, if you're really being adventurous, as some people do. What that tells you is that, okay, the Fed is offering X for the reverse repo. Therefore, if the treasury bill yield is less than X, then the marketplace must be paying more for that treasury bill for reasons that have nothing to do with investments. Because if you can get, for example, as it is today, 80 basis points in yield from parking some cash with the Federal Reserve, we're parking some bank reserve for the Federal Reserve, they'll pay you 80 basis points overnight. Why would you ever accept less than that? Why would you accept, for example, a four-week treasury bill yielding half of that amount, except if there's some other value, some other utility to the treasury bill that has nothing to do with investment alternatives? So the RRP treasury bills, this is one easy, simple way to say there is a massive market premium or even a small market premium being paid for these other instruments. And then from there, we can kind of fill in the blank. That's the key, the utility versus return, right? We're conditioned to always be thinking about return. Markets, it's always about return. That's what we're after. But no, investors in the, in the big pools, they need to consider bank balance sheet restrictions and everything. And so there's utility in some of these instruments. It's like a cost of doing business, right? You want to be yes. a bank, you want to be a modern bank. There's sometimes where these things actually, there's a liquidity premium that you have to pay just to continue your daily operation. The article we're reading from was posted at the Humber Investments website on the 3rd of May, and it was titled Collateral Shortage from a Fed Perspective. And there you take us back in time to a moment in 2017, and a very long moment, let's call it all year, <laughs> where where you have a graph here. You show us that mm, four-week bill yield was consistently below the, the RRP floor, right? And it wasn't enough to trigger the, what we would say Euro dollar four was, right? We would say that began in the beginning of 2018. But this was concerning. It was saying there's collateral scarcity. There's a desire for these treasury bills that supersedes uh, just return. And Jeff, you're not the only one that thought this. 
the Federal Reserve from St. Louis put together a nice little piece of paper with some research on it, and they wrote the following, and I'm going to read it out, okay? For example, on May 19th, 2017, the one-month Treasury bill rate was 0.71%, while IOER was 1%. So banks required a premium of 29 basis points to induce them to hold reserves, huh, risk-free reserves, rather than one-month T-bills. For what reasons are reserves inferior to T-bills? This is very interesting, investigative, critical thinking by the Federal Reserve. Excellent. Basically, reserves can be held only by a restricted set of financial institutions. Did you write this, Jeff? While T-bills are more widely held and are useful as collateral in financing transactions, for example, repurchase agreements, in ways that reserves are not. Jeff, did you work for the St. Louis Federal Reserve in 2017? No, and it's funny how you do run across these little nuggets of wisdom and useful knowledge every once in a while on the staff level. Mm -hmm. That's I think that's really the important part is that to some extent, the lower level staff understands that the Fed is not the end all be all and the bank reserves are not the end all be all. They're all money of, of the global monetary U.S. dollar system. And the fact that there is a global monetary U.S. dollar system operated by banks and that banks do this kind of stuff on their own terms and in their own way. And collateral is a huge part of it, not just in repo, but as as I wrote elsewhere today, in derivatives in particular, swaps and things like that. So collateral is important for basically everything that goes on in this monetary system. And on some level, intuitively, as well as institutionally, some, some people at the Fed realize, yeah, there's more going on here. And specifically, as it related to 2017, when you saw what was supposed to be only good times, as Janet Yellen said, a resilient financial system, the fact that this persisted, the fact that the four-week uh, Treasury bill yield would persist below RRP, and at times it was joined by the, the three-month bill, the eight-week bill didn't exist at that time, but the three-month bill would also fall a little bit below RRP throughout what was supposed to be, quote-unquote, globally synchronized growth and inflationary and all the, all the good stuff that goes along with an impending global recovery. It was a warning sign of a fragile system, of a system that was still not quite healed from the 2008 crisis, that was still short of collateral. And what you took from that or how you interpreted that, if you were outside the Federal Reserve, was that this fragile system had, you know, because it was fragile, there was always this danger that something could set it off into something bigger. We could go from just, hey, this is kind of a problem here. It's not a huge thing to this is a big deal, and it's starting to have a real impact across financial markets and the real economy, which is what really happened late in 2017 into 2018. So the important thing with the bills, collateral shortage, is it's, an, it's a very clear indication of a fragile, not robust, a fragile situation. It's like looking at a snowpack. The avalanche hasn't happened, the snowflake hasn't arrived, but you can see this is a fragile snowpack, and I sure hope that we don't have some sort of storm or something sneezes very loudly and brings the whole thing down, which happened in 2018. We're now in 2022 and we're seeing something similar, but I think the interpretation is different, right? I think we're actually already in trouble and it's just a confirmation. Now, the Federal Reserve, in their wisdom, recently raised interest rates, short-term interest rates that they control somewhat. And the federal funds market and interest on excess reserves and the RRP, they raised it by how many basis points, Jeff? 50 basis points? Yeah, a whole 50. 
I am going to read out some yields right now of short-term bills. And you tell us if those are in the green zone, everything's good, or in the collateral scarcity shortage zone. The U.S. four-week bill, 48 basis points. The U.S. eight-week bill, 70 basis points. And the three-month is 0.83%. Jeff, how does that compare to the floor? Yeah, the IRP currently, as of yesterday, this is uh, May 6th, so May 5th, so Thursday and Friday of this week, in the aftermath of the 50 basis point hike, which was applied to both IOER, which is higher, that's at 90 basis points, as well as the reverse repo rate, which is now 80. Hmm. So as you just said, Emil, the four-week Treasury bill is half at 40. Yep. So that's way below. And the even the eight-week bill, which 70. is at 70, yep. that's 10 below. That's way below two. And even the three-month bill, 83. which is important because not only is it 83, barely above RRP, but, is, but below IOER, it's a three-month bill where there's going to be supposedly two more 50 basis point rate hikes included. <laughs> so why the hell is a three-month bill yield falling closer to where the current RRP, quote-unquote, floor is right now? We don't just have the four-week bill that's saying, hey, something's going on here. We've got most of the front, the front month issues screaming that there's a collateral shortage. And again, it's different from 2017 in that now we're into euro dollar five, but we've been talking about treasury bills based on RRP going back to the middle of last year when they first raised the RRP. So as we've been saying all along, the fact that we had bills a little bit below RRP was a sign that the system was fragile, not robust. And now here we are with these big discrepancies and imbalances. Jeff, Twitter told me that the U.S. Treasury is interested in reducing debt issuance going forward, bill issuance going for, I don't know about bill issuance, just debt issuance overall. Have you heard, you know, have you heard are they going to move more into bills because that would help out the financial system? Or no, they're just going to blithely and blindly issue whatever they want without any regards to whether or not the financial system is short of the best, most pristine collateral in the financial system. Yeah, they're cutting back on debt issuance overall, including bonds and notes as well. And they have a target range for how much or how, how big a portion should be in treasury bills. But I will say the treasury did announce that they were going to convert what was uh, what used to be a 119 day cash management bill, which is some of these special bills that they issue whenever the government deficit unexpectedly increases, as it did in, in 2020 after the CARES Act, they're going to convert this 119-day cash management bill into a regular benchmark bill, hmm. sort of as another tacit but not yet public acknowledgement of the quote-unquote popularity of these Treasury bills without actually saying why. So the, the Treasury Department under Janet Yellen is saying, yeah, there is something going on here. These bills are wildly popular. They're not priced where they, quote unquote, should be. We're not necessarily going to rearrange our auction plans and cutting back on what we're, what we're going to do overall, but we're going, to, we're going to convert what is now essentially going to be a four-month treasury bill, a four-month regular benchmark treasury bill. We're going to make that because, I don't know, the, the market seems to really love these things. Well, if I was Hugh Hendry and I had a cap on my head that said locals only, I would tip it right now to Miss Janet Yellen for helping out the financial system. Wonderful, Jeff. Is there anything more or otherwise that's it for this show? No, the only last thing is, you know, 
Collateral scarcity shortage means fragile. And at these types of levels, it's one of those things you have to be very concerned about because, again, you know, I can't remember the last time outside of really bad periods where Treasury bills were so far below targets or floors or whatever the Fed sets. It's one of those things where collateral scarcity right now, as we're speaking, is at a pretty elevated high level, which means we should be on alert for potential other negative spillovers and factors. 